everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line, in warm Los Angeles, is the Rio to my frozen Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm good. I thought you were going to go with a Duran Duran reference. Like, you're the Rio to my hungry like the wolf. <laughs> you're the Rio to my red carpet massacre. Oh. Keith Caulfield. Yeah. So only you uh, would name check the red carpet massacre. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good album. Um, man, it is so cold in New York. I, I, I know we have, we have listeners all over the globe, so you have to understand, even though Keith and I are in the same country, he is much, much, much warmer than I am right now. Uh, how how warm is it in LA? Um, it's a balmy sixty nine degrees. Oh man, I hate you. Yeah, it's it, it like last night it got down to like twenty two. It like overnight in New York, and it was just it was the worst. So that live with the weather report. It's Jason Lipschutz. So yeah, instead of instead of talking about the weather, let's talk about some pop music, man. We got we got a fun show this week. We're going to be talking about One Direction, their new album, Four. We're going to be talking about the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 soundtrack, which came out this week. And we have a special Pop Shop podcast interview with the one, the only, Vance Joy, who has a Hot 100 hit with his single Riptide and is opening for Taylor Swift on her epic 1989 world tour next year. He'll talk about both of those things in a little bit. But first, Keith. We got to talk about, as we do most weeks, Taylor Swift. And, you know, we've, we've talked about 1989, came out a couple weeks ago. It's number one again this week. But we're not talking about the album this week. We are talking about the second single, Blank Space, which is number one on the Hot 100. It, it moves up over 10 spots, leaps above Shake It Off, the other Taylor Swift song that was number one last week, and is her new number one single. So, Keith, this is pretty incredible. How did this happen? Was it all the music video? It's all about the music video. Hey. Uh, Yeah, so the music video, which was uh, quite buzzworthy, uh, premiered last week. And as folks may or may not know, uh, streaming activity is taken into account on the Billboard Hot 100, along with airplay and sales. And yep. Squish those three metrics together, and boom, she's number one. It, a lot of it was due to the the um, the video coming out. She had a huge jump in uh, streams. I think it was something like 19 million uh, U.S. streams of the song, um, and that blends uh, video and song streams. I'm not sure how many song streams it might have since she's not on Spotify. <laughs> um, anyway, goes 13 to 1 on the Billboard Hot 100. She replaces herself at number 1. She bumps her own track, Shake It Off, down to number 3. She is, get this, the first woman to ever replace herself at number 1 on the Billboard Hot 100. Mind you, the Hot 100 has been around since 1958, and in that entire span of time, no woman has ever replaced herself at number 1. We've had people replace themselves at number 1, you know, like the Beatles or... Um, I think the Black Eyed Peas did it. You know, I think there's been 10 different acts, but no woman has ever done it until this week. It's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. And it, it's funny because she keeps making these these fun little chart records last week. Shake It Off spent its fourth week at number one, becoming her longest running number one single because the the only one other one she had before that, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, was number one for three weeks. So Shake It Off, number one for four weeks, then steps aside for its uh, follow-up, Blank Space, and we talked about the video last week. I, I think people are just really latching on to this this music video in a way that maybe they didn't even do that with, do so with uh, "Shake It Off." I think it, it's just gotten everywhere I've seen. It's just like even people that don't love the song are like, 
man, that's a pretty brilliant music video. Uh, it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a different. I mean, it's a different kind of concept that's executed, and and because it can be sort of. Um, misinterpreted or interpreted in different ways. Um, I think Taylor even uh, posted something on Tumblr, or maybe it was someone else. Where peop- you know there was a headline. It was th- some some news organization was saying, you know, blank space. Who's the video about? And yeah. you know, her fans are like, it's about you guys. It's about the media misinterpreting <laughs> Taylor, and you're not really getting it, and you're just you know helping like perpetrate this crazy stupid. It's great. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's a great music video and the song sales were up to as the top selling digital song of the week. Um, the airplay is obviously just getting started, but it's catching up too. So it's not like this is just a video phenomenon. The song is, is a hit period, but the video certainly is what pushed it to number one this week. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask about the airplay in terms of where it's at versus shake it off. I mean, shake it off was inescapable. I guess it still is, but blank space is, is gaining on it now in terms of its radio presence. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> As I look up something, "Shake It Off" is actually the third most played uh, song on U.S. radio this week across all stations that report to the Hot 100 chart. Had 113 million in audience, uh, which was pretty great. Um, "Blank Space" goes 23 to nine on okay. on the radio songs charts. So she has two of the top ten most played songs in the U.S. this week. So yeah, it's not like it's that far behind. I mean, this thing was probably going to go to number one anyways. The video just sort of helped accelerate things do you think that taylor swift just you know refreshes Rolls around in money each night yeah probably <laughs> do you think taylor swift just refreshes billboard.com every wednesday morning now and or wednesday afternoon is just like mm, what cool chart records am i going to break what this record week? did i break now as woman ha, of the year for billboard she just cackles let me visit like, ha, ha, ha. i don't know i i can ask her these things if i if i speak to her on sunday night at the american music awards if i speak to her please do yeah please please Taylor, do do you pay attention to anything that i write on billboard.com <laughs> do you look Meanwhile. to me like sort of like sort of like in a <laughs> sam lansky type way like do you think of me as one of your exactly. intelligent writers oh anyway Hi, Sam. She'll make, she'll make welcome to LA and give you shout outs like you know that, that that'll be that'll be something man that you could be in the welcome to I LA would like view. to in all seriousness I think that she does pay close attention to oh, for sure. her business and um you know she she pays attention to the charts I mean she was buying billboard before she was even on the charts um yeah she, and we're and yeah. we're and we're kidding when we say that like she lo- she looks at the the chart records and laughs maniacally. It's just we we say that because it's it's so funny how every single week she's doing something new that's never been done before. It's just it's crazy, and I, I mean this has been going on for a couple weeks now. Not only just like one week. It, it's you know 1989 number one for its third week beats the new albums by the Foo Fighters, Garth Brooks, Pink Floyd. I mean that's 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 pretty heavy. That's, yeah. That's no, pretty, I mean. Uh, Unbelievable. We haven't we haven't really mentioned it, but I mean, her album 1989 is number one for the third week in a row on the Billboard 200. It's uh, only the second album to spend three weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 this year after the Frozen soundtrack, and it sold more than 300 copies. 1989 did it sold more than 300,000 copies in its third week, um, and so there, therefore it has sold more than 300,000 in its first three weeks. It's the first album to do that since Beyonce's self-titled album last December. Um, just to remind everyone just how big Taylor Swift is. There's Taylor Swift, and then there's kind of everyone else. 
All right, let's switch over to the Billboard 200 albums chart. Uh, moving away from Taylor Swift for a second to talk about One Direction, who will most likely have their fourth number one album with their fourth album, the aptly titled Four. Funny how that works out. I know. So, uh, Keith, what is that sales projection? Is It It, it looks like it, it's pretty much a lock for the second biggest debut of the year, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, industry forecasters right now uh, suggest that it could sell around 420,000 copies, um, which would not only be the second biggest debut of the year, but also the second biggest sales week of the year, period, uh, because Taylor Swift's 1989 actually had the second biggest week when it had its second week in stores. So, uh, yeah, it'll easily be number one unless something catastrophic happens this weekend, which is entirely possible, and that's why we always say it could still be number one. It might be number one, but, yeah, it's probably going to be number one. It's looking like it. It's It's looking looking, It's looking like it. Yeah. So, Keith, in terms of that number, you said it could be around, like, 420,000. Yep. So their last two albums, last year's Midnight Net Memory started with 546,000. The yep. one before that, yeah. Take Me Home, started with 540,000. So this is still a huge number, but a slight dip. Just, you know, I would say more than a slight dip, over 100,000 less than their previous two albums. Uh, what, what's going on here? Dude, in the same breath that we talk about how this is going to have the second biggest sales week of the year, you say, man, that's a drop-off from that last album. It's true. Hey, uh, it, uh, that's have a fair statement. Have you noticed how no one buys albums anymore and only two <laughs> albums have actually sold more than a million copies this year, one of which just came out three weeks ago? So really, this is actually a stunning achievement for anyone to sell more than 400,000 copies of anything in a single week. So... Yeah, album sales are down, so they're naturally going to have some erosion. Um, secondly, it's hard to keep up sort of the red hot supernova, bright bright, you know, hot hot hotness of One Direction for you know multiple years, and that's okay. Everyone has you know peaks and valleys and highs and lows to their career, and so what if this is not as big as last year? It's really hard to keep up with anything from a year ago. That's fair. That's fair, and you know, it, it's probably. Not quite as big. It doesn't seem like Steal My Girl, the the lead single, which I love, and it's one of my favorite songs of the year. It's It doesn't seem to be doing quite as well as something like uh, Live While We're Young or, or Best Song Ever, their previous two lead singles. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's doing all right. Uh, Steal My Girl um, uh, hit number, hold on, I will tell you, uh, well... As I stall, well, debuted at number thirteen on the Hot 100, but then yeah, we can't dip. really look at the Hot 100 as a, as a great telling of how. I mean, we can and we can't because you know it's going to start off really high because of strong initial streaming points, streaming activity, and sales. If we look at its airplay um, on Top 40 Radio on the mainstream Top 40 chart, which is also known as Pop Songs on Billboard.com, "Steal My Girl" uh, actually hits a new peak, uh, number seventeen uh, this week on Top 40 Mainstream. Uh, Story of My Life uh, was a much bigger hit. Um, best Song Ever went to number 16. Um, Story of My Life went to number four. So they're kind of about in the range of where they normally perform. They usually have a song that hits the teens on the chart. Um, yeah. So they're, they're doing actually pretty all right in terms of their airplay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, man, it, it's I, I, I've written a lot about One Direction over the past week as, as the pop editor. Can't can't deny that but i i really like this album i really like four it's um it's interesting to see where one direction goes from here because as a lot of people have noted when writing about this album this week not a lot of boy bands have made it to their fourth album with this kind of relevancy still intact i mean you, you 
InSync never put out a third album. Backstreet Boys, by the time they put out their fourth album, were dipping a little bit. And InSync never you know, put out a fourth album, is what you meant to say. Right? Sorry? InSync never put out a fourth album, is what you meant Yeah, that's what say. I said. That's what I said. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. InSync never put out a fourth album. Backstreet Boys, when they did put out a fourth album, kind of dipping a little bit in terms of popularity. That was That's kind of past their peak, past their prime a little bit. But, you know, One Direction is, is still going to have a huge sales week this week and is still going to go play stadiums next year. And, you know, that's it, it's pretty outrageous that they've they've put out so much music in such a short amount of time and are still there. They keep on trucking, man. The thing to keep in mind when we talk about Backstreet Sync and One Direction is that it took like seven or eight years for Backstreet Boys to put out their first four studio albums. Um uh, which is much longer than what One Direction has done. And uh, NSYNC, uh, one, two, three, they put out their first three albums, 99, 2000, like over the course of like three or so years. So isn't it weird to think about that? Uh, my friend and I were talking about that this week, how, how different it must have been to have to wait between NSYNC albums like a couple years. Can you imagine like if in that scenario, like NSYNC, the first album came out in 97, and then No Strings Attached came out three years later in 2000. Can you imagine, like, it, with that kind of time frame, the One Direction, like, they would be on their second album right now after putting out their first one in 2011. It's yeah. pretty crazy to think about how much music they've actually put out in such a short amount of time. Well, you know, the the, the thing to also remember is that, you know, Instinct's first album really didn't take off until late 1998, like the fall of 1998 yeah, when Turn Up My Heart was started to get big. And then it was a really big album basically through 1999. And then, you know, so by the time No Strings Attached came out in 2000, um, they were, you know, people were chomping at the bit trying to get the next Sync album. But it, it wasn't like the One Direction success where One Direction kind of out of the gate was already huge because of social media and everyone already knew who they were, you know, all their fans knew who they were. It was very different back in the late 1990s to try to work, you know, music because you really had to do it the old-fashioned way. You didn't have the internet to help you as, as much as you do today. Absolutely. So we will keep an eye on 4 and Steal My Girl and everything One Direction. So another big album release this week is the soundtrack to Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. It's not... It's not Hunger Game Mark Mockingjay because there will be a part two next year, of course. But the soundtrack for the third Hunger Games film installment, curated by the one and only Lord, is out this week. And do you have a sales forecast for that one, Keith? I do, and um, I would like you to guess what you think it might sell this week. Because he doesn't, Jason doesn't know what it, what it might do. I have, I have really no idea. I'm going to say like a hundred and ten thousand. You would be a little over. Um, okay. Right now, it's looking like twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Yep. Wow. Really? That's it. That's it. I mean, who knows? Maybe the movie will really move people into buying the album. I don't know because it really, I don't think there is that much of the music actually in the movie. I think there might be one in credit song, maybe. Um, that's crazy. But um, yeah, that's what it's going to do. I think most people are just buying select tracks. Um, they're not, yeah, really, or they're so. streaming it. They're not buying the whole thing. But even so, this is one of the more star-packed soundtracks doesn't in recent matter. memory. It, it, but yeah, I, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, I have in my notes, is is it suffering because it doesn't really have a breakout single? Like, you know, so I, obviously it's you can easily compare it to like Let It Go in terms of the, the huge Frozen soundtrack success. 
um, it won't it won't touch that. But that had a, a huge lead single to help it. Is it is it is it just that that there's no like I, I mean Lord the the new Lord song Yellow Flicker Beat is a great song, but it's it's not really catching on at radio. What's uh what's the problem I'll here, man? I'll tell you the answer. Uh, the answer is you need for a soundtrack to actually be um, super successful. It needs to um, be from a movie that actually integrates the music into the film well and uh, a lot of it. So basically it needs to be a musical, essentially. Um, and that is not what the Hunger Games Mockingjay is. None of the Hunger Games soundtracks have really used the music that are on the soundtracks in the films. Um, unlike, say, Twilight, uh, where you hear the music often throughout the movie, um, or, say, uh, The Great Gatsby, which had music all through yeah. it, um, effectively yeah. was kind of like a musical, it was short of Leonardo DiCaprio dancing and singing. I mean, he did dance. But anyway, I digress. Um, so that's that's really what the problem is, because most people aren't going to buy a full album um, unless they are sort of convinced and sold on it even if it is a really cool track list which it is I yeah. mean, for god's sakes it has you know lord and kanye and it has simon Lebon from duran duran and it has grace jones of all people i mean it's this really cool eclectic thing and i think you know maybe it's just starting out and it could get bigger but um i, I don't i don't think it will necessarily get much bigger but i could be completely wrong what's interesting about this soundtrack to me is that it feels like the hunger games you know the studio they really doubled down on the soundtrack because the first hunger game soundtrack for the for the film that came out in march 2012 it, it hit number one and had taylor swift on it did pretty well arcade fire contributed this track last year the catching fire soundtrack and we talked about it on last year's podcast had a uh, had a downbeat coldplay song called atlas didn't really do anything it, it, it kind of stalled and then this year, it just seemed like they were bringing out the big guns with Lord, and she's had a, a huge press run behind this album. She got to curate the soundtrack, had some amazing names on it, and and yet it it still really hasn't taken off. It's 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 very fascinating to me. I, I have really enjoyed the Lord press run, by the way. Uh, she was on the cover of Billboard. She covered Jeremiah's "Don't Tell Him" uh, for BBC. She and this isn't part of the press run, but she dissed Diplo on Twitter praised kim kardashian on twitter uh i've enjoyed it it's it's been fun to watch just from afar did she ever explain why she uh dissed diplo she did and you know where that answer is man on billboard.com it's on billboard.com so check out i'll have to go read lord's diplo dis explanation so we'll keep an eye on uh mocking jay part one as well so so keith we got to get to vance joy so vance joy if if you're unfamiliar he is a, a folk singer-songwriter who has had a fair amount of Hot 100 success with the song Riptide. It's it's been a a slow grower. It also really doing well on rock songs and alternative. And, you know, he is opening for Taylor Swift next year on the entirety of her 1989 international run, which is pretty crazy. If you you think about her Red Tour, the opener was Ed Sheeran, look at him he, he was a little bit of an unknown entity when that tour began and now he is a superstar so caught up with vance joy stopped by the new york office and we talked about his debut album and riptide and opening for taylor swift and some of his favorite taylor swift music so check it out vance joy on the pop shop podcast
Vance Joy, thank you so much for stopping by the the Pop Shop Podcast here at Billboard.com. Now, do I call you Vance Joy or do I call you do I call you James? Do what? Uh, do people like on the street recognize you yet? And they're like Vance, and you're yeah. like what? I usually go by Vance uh, for I guess all my music stuff, um, just because it's um, I guess easier and, and simpler just to be Vance. So I'm happy to be that guy. All right, all right, Vance it is, Vance yeah. it is. So where does that name originate from? Uh, I got it from a book called Bliss by Peter Carey, and uh, there's a character called Vance Joy, and he's a storyteller. He appears really early on in the story, and yeah, I really liked the name. It was kind of memorable, and uh, I guess uh, I had about five or six songs, and I wanted to start performing, and uh, I wanted an alias that kind of would, would spark people's imaginations, so I went ahead with it. So it's been it's been an amazing year for you. Riptide has been creeping up the Hot 100. It's it's already you know dominating rock and alternative charts here at Billboard. And meanwhile, you have this announcement come. I believe it was last week that hey, you're opening on Taylor Swift's huge, humongous 1989 <laughs> stadium tour. Yeah. What? So when did you find out that this was like a, a either a possibility or it was actually going to happen? Like how how long did you know? that you were going to be opening for Taylor Swift. I think I think with these things it's kind of like it, it's kind of not not concrete. Yeah. And so th- I think the not concrete uh, possibility kind of came I think I was in Baltimore doing some promo mm-hmm. and I was walking around looking for breakfast and I spoke to my manager and he said, you know, this might happen and I was like, well, that's crazy. This is so cool. Um I was it almost took me a, a moment to digest it because it's such a big thing. And somehow somewhere between that and i guess the announcement it it, it f- kept firming up and um uh then taylor did the cover of my song which we we didn't know was going to happen it was just like totally uh out of the blue for us and then um yeah once it was certain it was kind of it was um you know because you can get very excited about the possibility of doing yeah. those things but then you also don't want to get your, your dreams crushed yeah. when, when it doesn't happen because sometimes things don't happen yeah. and, and don't eventuate. So when it did eventuate, I was like, oh, that's good. I'm glad you I kind of kept it. my expectations it's moderate and now I can kind of... It's locked in. you kind of can't have a, a much better cosign than having Taylor Swift say, I want Vance Joy on my huge world tour with me because she wouldn't, you know, an, an artist like Taylor Swift would not just pick any artist. I mean, look at her last tour. She had Ed Sheeran and he's become a huge name. I mean, do does, is that just a vote of confidence for you? Like, how do you feel about, you know, not, not just, you know, this is a lot more people digesting my music, but Taylor Swift and the Taylor Swift machine wants me on board. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it is, it feels like a, definitely a vote of confidence. And I guess, uh, I respect her a lot as an artist. So I think if she sees any qualities in me that she likes, that makes me feel good because Mm -hmm. I, I see in the way that she goes about her business, like her personality is so, open and the way she like in a film clip like that blank space film clip it's like totally there's so much personality in that and i love i think that's maybe partly why there's fans out there that just are so engaged with her because it's like you can see this real person and it's like wow this this person is so fully realized you know i want to that that's real to me and i think that when you listen to music and you can 
really get into the personality of the person singing it. That's kind of partly the communication that just that works. Yeah. So uh, it makes me feel good, and I don't know. I think I don't know what it means for me beyond that, but. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just kind of. I'm still in this <laughs> you look, kind of you weird have the, You have like I can see it in your eyes. You're just. I feel like you're still like your mind's a little bit blown. Like yeah, it's, totally. I, it must be. Yeah, it is definitely. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Taylor Swift song? Um, I really do like Blank Space a lot. Um, but I think from the older stuff, probably Love Story, and yeah, I I think the new album sounds really classic. Kind of sounds like Cindy Lauper mi- mixed with I don't know more newer kind of production. Yes, so yes, it's, it's cool. I like that. So let's talk about the rise of Riptide. I saw, I was at Lollapalooza a couple months ago and I saw you perform this song and everyone, and I had heard the song a couple times before then, and I, but I didn't realize that it had already developed such a cult such a cult audience and i saw this huge field of people singing along to every word of this song how has this process been for you of just letting this song grow and grow and, and it's still growing yeah i think that's good like growing is a good example because it's like you write a song and um I, I was speaking to someone about a song being like a seed you plant a seed and a tree grows and it might be like this tall or it might just be this tall and yeah the branches go wherever they want to go and I feel like this song has just kept growing and um, and that's the thing. I think, yeah, I started playing that song in America about a year and a half ago and, you know, supporting and like really maybe a couple of people in the crowd knew and it's been really gradual. And that probably Lollapalooza was like a, yeah, for us as well, seeing how many people had kind of recognised the song. So, I mean, it's I wrote it a long time ago and it's hard to really feel connected to that first moment i wrote it in 2012 yeah and so yeah it's just become part of i guess it's become really kind of i just take it everywhere with me and it's it's funny i'm part of my brain probably switches off when i play it not in a bad way just in a way where it's like did i even write this yeah am i singing my own song or someone else's song do you do you feel like a, a totally different person from when you were i mean you're in a totally different space as an artist from 2012 do you feel like a different person from the moment you wrote that song i think some i think some facets of me have changed for sure i think just the challenges that i've gone through and also just um just the experiences have kind of, I think, made me probably more mature in that two-year period. I think I probably did a lot of growing. Uh, well, I hope to think I did. And then, um, yeah, that that time, 2012, I just finished university. I was living uh, with a friend at a home. And um, I look at the first recording I ever did of Riptide, which is on, it's probably on YouTube or Facebook or something. And I just was like, it was verse, chorus, verse, chorus, me sitting at the kitchen table uh, for an iPhone th- um uh, iPhone video and it was like so rough my voice sounds completely different like well it sounds very different to me um, totally un- I hadn't done any kind of really cutting my teeth uh, open mics or gigs so my I was totally un- I was very green basically very cool man so are you the kind of person that writes new music on the road because a lot of your 2015 is going to be mm. taken up on the road tra- traveling across the world with Taylor Swift yeah so I definitely 
come on songs come down to me trickle down to me uh, <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i think I, that's my reality so i have to uh just you know always be chipping away at songs and uh, hopefully breakthroughs come while i'm on the road and it'd be nice to to keep doing this for as long as possible and for i guess for that stream of music to keep uh i don't know uh flowing through lips generous and warm you build me up like steps so thanks again to vance joy for stopping by the pop shop podcast we've had uh we've had some cool guests on this year Nick Jonas last week, Darren Chris a couple weeks before that. Uh, Vince Joy, happy to have him on. So, Keith, we got to wrap this up, man. But are you ready to drop your chart stat of the week? Hey, okay. So, the chart stat of the week this week is about Olivia Newton-John, uh, the the great uh, pop singer uh, who was huge in the '70s and the '80s. Uh, hit number one this week back in 1981 with her immortal song, Physical. Uh, Physical spent a whopping 10 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, the longest running number one of the 1980s. Um, And it actually hit number one on November 21st, 1981. And this came after sort of an interesting time in her career where she started out as a sort of countrified pop singer. She had a lot of hits on the country charts and number one country albums. And then she transitioned to becoming a pop star. And then she was in Greece and, of course, had all that success with the Greece soundtrack and You're the One That I Want and Summer Nights and and so forth and so forth. And then she sort of kind of morphed into kind of a video vixen in the early 80s with the physical and and um, sort of had a string of hits in the early 80s. Um, while, you know, Olivia has kind of moved on from uh, the pop charts uh, she is still an icon of course and she's still recording actively recording music and uh she recently well not so recently but she recently came back to the hot 100 chart in fact with another version of physical believe it or not um a couple years ago she was on glee as a guest star uh, and it was a very funny cameo and uh, she appeared on glee and she redid physical in 2010 and it was credited to the Glee cast featuring Olivia Newton-John. It entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number 89 back on May 22nd, 2010. So she 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 uh, kind of uh, ended her so far Hot 100 run with a new version of Physical, which is actually the number one uh, single of the entire 1980s as well. So there you go. A long-winded chart stat of the week about Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Charts out of the week. Thank you, Keith, for your charts out of the week. All right, man, that's going to do it for us over at the Pop Shop Podcast. Quick programming note for li- for listeners. Uh, next week, you might know, is Thanksgiving here in the United States. And Keith, uh, we're going to celebrate actually a little bit early on Monday. We're going to have a special Pop Shop Podcast because on Sunday night, Keith will be reporting live from the red carpet at the American Music Awards over in Hollywood. It's in hot. Where, where is it at this year? It's in the downtown American LA. Downtown LA. Cool, man. Uh, I'm excited. Are you excited to demand the red carpet? Super excited, as always. Hoping to see all the stars, including Five Seconds of Summer, One Direction, Sam Smith, Taylor Swift, <laughs> and more. Now, hopefully, I get to talk to at least one of those people I just mentioned. <laughs> Let's fit. Let's hope so, man. Fingers crossed. So uh, again, on Monday we will have a post American Music Awards recap show, as well as a, a fun little segment talking about some of the music we're thankful for in 2014. 
for Thanksgiving. And then we will not, we will be back regular time on Thursday mornings the week after that, the first week of December, because uh, we're not going to tape a Thanksgiving show next week. Um, you know, enjoy some time with your family. Don't listen. Have a day to, You off. know, don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about the charts just for just for a day. But we will be back early next week on the Pop Shop Podcast. Keith, do you have any parting words? I don't. All right, man. Let's uh, let's go out on my favorite song on the new One Direction album. It is called Girl Almighty. It is fantastic. Thanks for listening and take care.